Okay. Uh, good afternoon, Kunal. It's a pleasure to have you on Prime Time, uh, this podcast that we run at Prime Venture Partners. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amit, and thanks for having me. Hey, Kunal. Uh, you know, you just told me something as we were just getting set up for the podcast, which is that uh, I said, "Hey, would you would you mind you know putting your phone on silent?" You said, "Hey, my phone's been sil- on silent for the last twelve years." Maybe we can start with that. Uh, what is that about? Uh, I guess. Uh, 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 the, the, the objective of phone rings or, or text alerts is uh, to distract you from doing what you're doing and divert your attention to that important thing. I, what I have learned is uh, I, I decide the times that I want to get distracted or disturbed versus kind of anything else kind of distracting and disturbing me. For me, my thoughts are more important than anybody wanting to reach me at the time they want to reach me. So what I do now, I'm... I'm a prompt at responding but not at the triggers that anybody else wants to decide for me so it's been great for me uh, uh, it allows you to have uh, uh, good thought processes and not distracted by these constant distractions of notifications alerts ringtones and so on and so forth very interesting we'll, we'll talk about free chart later when you are sending notifications and alerts <laughs> to other people uh, but maybe let me go back to the early days, you know, and, uh, you know, I understand you got your education in philosophy, right? Yes. And maybe this is something to do with your keeping the phone silent forever. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, why philosophy and, and what were the things that you learned and how did they influence your, uh, you know, career and your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So I think uh, uh, I did not really think that I'll be doing philosophy like every other student uh, uh, you were either thinking about going engineering or doing medicine. Uh, 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 and the thing that I realized, is I was not very good at memorizing things. Uh, I was good at analyzing, problem solving, uh, uh, being good at a subject matter. But if I was told to remember the 12 chapters of what you studied and memorize them and kind of come for an exam and write them, uh, I just had uh, this phobia and and, and, and true impediment that I could not memorize as good as many other people who scored marks. So I always felt that these guys are not as smart as me, but they still score better marks. It's just the way the system was measuring you. I I just realized that I should not be trying too hard for that. Fortunately for me, by 11th, 12th grade, I realized that I'm not going to be able to kind of catch up on these race of this particular way of uh, uh, assessing how good somebody is. Uh, I discovered philosophy because I was sitting in college canteen and I heard some students who were uh, discussing philosophy class that they had and I thought it was quite fascinating so I kind of hung out with them a few more times understand the topics they were discussing from ethics to morality to trust and justice and uh, a a topic of uh, a state and so on and so forth. For me uh, that became quite an interesting thing because what I realized is that nobody had trained anybody on how to think. Right and and uh, uh, as a kid, uh, because I was not too focused on studies, I, I was I focused all my energies on comic books and puzzle solving. Right, I was an addict almost to just solving puzzles. And and for me, uh, uh, after becoming good at solving puzzles, it was about how much time did it take for me to solve a puzzle. That became the next metric. And I realized there was something more complex which you can really not solve because there's no right answers. Philosophy looked like that puzzle to me, and and therefore I kind of gravitated towards that. Uh, I think the reason I took philosophy was I thought I'm never gonna score those marks that are required to get into good colleges. Uh, the reason I valued philosophy is that it uh, taught me Indian philosophy on one side and Western philosophy at the same time, and and suddenly what I learned was that there are some these great thinkers on how 
uh, things should be thought about and how there are no right answers to so many things and 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 you don't need to memorize stuff to kind of give good answers you just have to give a great perspective on things and you may be right and wrong depending on various factors that for me was huge right so while i was doing my philosophy i was uh, already working because i was working from the age 15 uh, uh because a financial crisis had happened in the family i realized that i could apply i was better at grasping things i was better at understanding and making somebody understand things because i could really abstract well and apply great logic to my points and then i realized that this is a great skill to persuade people because that's one of the things that you need uh, the only thing is you always felt still that you were no good because you took ba philosophy right so there's no shame in saying that i used to hide my degree right because i was good at internet and already like teaching uh, stuff about internet and i was uh, uh, training uh, for i was i used to be a, a trainer at vintech and nit and aptech places at for asp programming and uh, uh, db access uh, microsoft access and so on and so forth uh, i realized that hiding that was important for me because people would judge me with my degree and not with what i do so i used to just avoid that discussion avoid my age discussion because i was doing big things by the time i was less 21 22 uh, i would just avoid these discussions about what have i studied and and what am i actually uh, good at but i realized that consistently i was better at thinking about things and analyzing things because i was trained through these great philosophers uh and 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 not having to have the temptation to jump to conclusions which i saw is almost an epidemic that is there at least in this country where you throw a question that why did india lose a match and there'll be an instant answer right uh, 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 which is which i call the national sport of jumping to conclusion <laughs> very cool very cool so uh, so kunal talk to us a little bit about the you know pre free charge journey right uh, and what led to the starting of free charge right what was the inspiration for the idea what was the inspiration for you to do that i know you've been working since you were 15 years old so maybe some of the kind of early days just the starting up short sure. phase so before free charge we 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 had actually the company's name uh, we started was axelist axelist is a company that owns free charge as a brand uh, Axelist stood for accelerating catalyst. I always wanted to play a role of an accelerating catalyst to anything that is already existing, right? And therefore, uh, uh, change behavior at a very rapid pace, right? So that was the whole philosophy of doing anything that I want to do in my life. I I believe uh, I'm a better catalyst at things than versus trying to create the whole thing altogether, right? For for. Pesa back we were doing these cashback promotion which was a mail in rebate concept we brought in india and we realized that we were working with many companies making decent profit uh, we made close to 1 crore rupees of profit in a year's time with two member team uh, at that point of time by just applying the basic principles of consumer behavior and that's something that i picked up later so after philosophy my interest on psychology and consumer behavior happened when i dropped out of my mba uh, uh, in 2004 sometime uh, and i realized that that was the thing that was big for me and i probably have must have read 2 300 books around the same topic uh, consumer behavior was a big interest for me and and therefore when it came to pesa back i was making money but i realized that it was not going to scale to that point but during pesa back i used to work for mobile store as a customer and and we uh, asked them that source your data on how you're looking at things and we found out that 95% of their invoices were of recharge and only 5% were of mobiles and accessories i was like wow 
ये तो रिचार्ज है इसको फ्री कर दो तो मोर फुटफॉल्स विल इंक्रीज एंड रिटेल सेल्स इज फुटफॉल्स इन टू एवरेज टिकट साइज इन टू कन्वर्जन रेट दैट्स द फॉर्मूला ऑफ रिटेल सेल्स आई वॉज लाइक इफ यू इंक्रीज द फुटफॉल एवरीथिंग एल्स विल जस्ट कैंड फॉल इन प्लेस एंड देर फॉर वील हैव मच लार्जर सेल देर लाइक कनाल यू डोट गेट इट बट इज ओनली टू परसेंट मार्जिन ऑन रिचार्ज यू कैनॉट मेक इट फ्री एंड आई वॉज लाइक बट दिस हैज टू बी डन बिकॉज यू कैन क्रिएट दिस अनलिमिटेड फुटफॉल्स एंड दैट्स वैन आई डिस्कवर्ड दैट नाइन्टी एट परसेंट ऑफ कंट्री वॉज ऑन प्री पेड एंड एंड एज अ कंज्यूमर हु वॉज ऑलवेज ऑन पोस्ट पेड आई डिड नॉट नो इसको तो फ्री करना पड़ेगा एंड आई रिमेंबर आई हैड कॉल्ड इट रिचार्ज बैक इनिशियली बिकॉज पैसा बैक रिजल्ट इन रिचार्ज बैक आई पिश दिस आइडिया टू प्रोमा स्पाइस ग्रुप मेनी मेनी ऑफ दीज ऑर्गेनाइज रिटेल चेंज विच आर सेलिंग हैंडसेट्स एंड आई वॉज लाइक वाओ लाइक वाई आर दे नॉट डूइंग दिस एंड ऑल ऑफ दैम से नो बिकॉज इट्स टू स्केरी अ डिसीजन टू टेक आई वॉज लाइक आई हैव टू डू समथिंग ऑन माई ओन फ्री रिचार्ज वॉज बॉर्न out of rejection from the offline world i had no interest and intent to create a consumer business in fact i did not call myself a commerce company for the first one year i used to call ourselves a marketing solutions company which is using recharge as a way to create footfalls in the retail stores because we gave equal value coupons for every recharge you did on our platform right so we always positioned ourselves if you see our in fact our uh, our our uh, uh, Articles associations or MOA will be seeing that you will see that it was said that we are a marketing solutions company, nothing to do with commerce and and B two C. And therefore, even when VCs reached out to me initially, I would not respond back. I was like, I don't know why are they trying to chase me and asking me these questions. I remember Shalendra uh, tried at least four or five times for different methods to reach out to me, uh, and I would just not respond. Uh, uh, finally, they managed to call me and just convince me to say. Just come and talk for five minutes. We don't need a presentation. And finally, we raised our money without a presentation. Our so, Series A investment was without a presentation. Very, very, very interesting. I'm sure a lot of our early stage founders that are listening to this podcast will be like trying to figure out the secret sauce for that. So maybe let me let me ask you, since I know you have very strong points of view on that as well. What should be the secret sauce to to pitch an investor, right? Uh, early stage founder, not not talking um, late stage, right? The secret sauce is to not pitch to an investor. the secret sauce is the investor pitching to you and you have to take the company to that point that the investor comes looking for you i don't believe i mean I, i'll give a crude example because there's no better way of explaining this let's say uh, you are the most good looking guy in the college right what are the probabilities that you are going to propose to girls or versus girls proposing to you right or you are a good looking girl right if you do not have that delta impact uh, you will be constantly pitching and mostly getting rejected but if you take the uh, company to the point that comp- the people come pitching to you that's when you will be able to raise money i personally i'm completely against you having to pitch to raise money wonderful so bring me two interesting new acronyms that you talked about recently uh one is delta 4 and the other one is ubp sure uh, so care to elaborate on on these acronyms and also yeah. as it relates to what we were just talking so, about uh a post free charge exit i had the opportunity to travel to different geographies i did not take a single vacation in the 5 6 years i ran free charge i did not get a chance to take a vacation i'm fairly intense when i decide to do something i said i should look at what's happening and and i was more curious to understand what worked for me what works for people who's for whom it's working and why are people who are so many so much smarter than me not successful right that was a big question for me and that's where the whole philosophy kicked off me kicked in saying that i need to find what's going on why people who are smarter than me 
like much better iq much better academics background like uh, not become successful then i realized that there are there has to be some principle and we are all accepting in the vc world it's kind of quite common to be told that oh one or two of our 10 bits work it's good enough it pays you more than that but i was like what if five bits paid you more than that like what would happen then but i realized that the vc industry was not too old and and this whole world has been kind of fairly new nobody has thought about principles on how to pick good ideas right so thought about a simple idea that um through observation and through studies of uh, when you study genetic engineering and, and 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 you study about genes and propagation and evolution and and what causes virality and so on and so forth came up with this own synthesized version of this so explaining delta force is actually straightforward uh whenever you think about humanity it's constantly moving in one direction which is more and more efficient right and this is not true for let's say an animal right if you ask a lion uh what was more efficient 10 years ago and what is more efficient 10 years in the future uh the person's i mean the lion's answer would be i mean it's almost the same only in human's case uh we will have a better car better laptop better phone better spectacles better watches better chairs everything is going to get better right and what any and everything that is a hurdle between the inefficient state and efficient state is a pot of gold right how do you unlock the pot of gold is to create enough efficiency that the humanity moves from state a to state b which is the more efficient state and the gravity of the old state should not hold them back and i gave examples about uh, let's say when you are think about let's say taking a cab right uh, it is almost impossible to think to go back to the old behavior of trying to book a meru or trying to wait for a rickshaw and so on and so forth because a more efficient state which is the cab aggregators have kicked in uh, and it is the 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 way to measure that is that you compare the old score if you say tell me the efficiency score of trying to get a uh, meru booked out of 10 uh, or you tell me efficiency score of getting an uber out of 10 and most likely you'll answer answers like 2 out of 10 in case of meru or 8 out of 10 in case of uber and ola and any time you see that the delta between the old behavior and new behavior is more than 4 it unlocks the pot of gold right sure and and because the pot of gold is unlocked you claim that as long as you are the path that has kind of unlocked that particular pot of gold right uh, for example uh, if i give you a method on how to read books faster which we just discussed before this podcast uh, and you are going to share your feedback uh, i'm not going to unlock the pot of gold because i've shared the efficiency method and nobody claimed the pot of gold the humanity just moved to state b and let's say both of us discover the best method of reading books and tell the whole world for free on twitter on social media we will not benefit from it but the humanity will move to a more efficient state right that how do i read 200 books a year great problem to solve right so every time you find something that is delta 4 you will see two things you will see that it will demonstrate ubp versus usp UPP is unique bragworthy proposition. Whenever you discover delta 4, you will always brag about it, right? For example, you will brag about how do you read 250 books or 200 books a year. I will tell you how I have discovered a new method. I will discover a new app and I will brag about it. And I talked about an example of Truecaller that our Truecaller has not spent a single dollar on advertising and have most Indians using it on a daily basis because it was spread through UPP. most people did a demo of that product and bragged about it and therefore the humanity moved towards true caller that is a more efficient state of receiving calls 
this is unique because UPP and Delta 4 whenever they are unlocked you will see that it is has very high tolerance right for example one bad experience of uber is not going to stop you from doing that but let's say when there is a delta one or two let's say we talked about buying shirts online or, or let's say uh, according to me food delivery right uh, uh, if i'm ordering from three restaurants six dishes every time the app might not be something that will give me delta one delta four kind of experience so one bad experience on that i'm like Oh, this is stupid. I'll go back to my old behavior and just call the restaurant, which is only 200 meters away anyways, and get my food delivered, right? So the thing is, uh, it's important for founders to build something that is massively bragworthy, right? It's a good metric to solve for and, and create a Delta four in terms of efficiency. If you do that, you will see consistently wealth creation happening. But if you don't do that, I have seen massive wealth erosion happening. So it's almost like a state of thermodynamics where uh, you know, something is hot and something is cold. It's moving in, in that direction. But if you don't make it cold enough or hot enough, it will not move. Great. So, uh, so could I talk a little bit about some of the, you know, not just the ups, but the lows through the journey, right? Sure. Uh, you know, you were, uh, you got into a unique, you know, bragworthy proposition with free charge, uh, even though you probably started with the insight of the, you know, invoices at the, at the mobile phone store. But what were some of the, you know, downsides, right? As, as some of these early state founders were listening to this, right? What were some of the moments of truth saying, are we going to be around? Are we not going to be around? Yeah. Right? And kind of how did you yeah. come through that? So I think uh, I, I don't know any company that has become successful has not gone through this phase. It's almost like a compulsory thing that has to be done. So anybody expects only a rosy journey is, is signing up for the wrong uh, ride over here. First, foremost, in our case, uh, we had a strong UBP because we created a unique model where each other was becoming free. And free is the biggest UBP of all, right? Uh, anything that is paid long time ago and becomes free becomes natural UBP, right? It's the biggest UBP you can think about. But what we had as a biggest challenge, we are operating out of Bombay, not having a tech background myself. We just could not get a great team to execute the demand we were having. So for the first one and a half years, we would constantly crash, be down for two hours a day, uh, uh, have slowness in the website, not be able to fulfill the orders, have poor success rates and so on and so forth, right? So we had a unique problem compared to most other founders that I have seen. They have great tech, no consumer insights and behavior understood. We had all the consumer behavior unlocked and the demand was going through the roof, the retention was going through the roof and we just could not keep up, right? So. The big decision we had to make is move to Bangalore uh, and that happened, I would say, one year too late uh, because we kept trying to hire people to wanting to work and we tried different permutation combinations, just did not work. Uh, second thing uh, I would say is that uh, uh, we, there was a massive self-doubt, right, because uh, we were working on an original idea, right, even though we had raised money. We were not sure if the world understood it because people kept asking us, so you are like Groupon, so you are like this, so you are like that. And I, and I have to justify to them that we are not like anything or anybody. And that was a big thing to deal with. And that gives you a lot of self-doubt, especially when you are not from IIT or I am have, or have scored 95% in your boards. Uh, you constantly have that self-doubt. I think that's my biggest uh, a shortcoming that I think I would highlight that there was a period that I would have self-doubt and I would be right often to not have the self-doubt but there was constantly this thing which made me compare that hey like this guy gets it and when you meet that person and you realize that no I don't think so they get it it's just that 
they've been in the right place right time they have the right creds behind them to do that i had that challenge to deal with uh, and other thing i would say we we stopped being innovative after getting capital we got to like 15 18000 transactions a day without spending money how long did that take to get to 15 18 couple of years four months oh wow from t equal to zero yes wow okay, okay. uh to like getting to 25 30 took us one and a half years with money hmm so why why is that i think innovation is a function of constraints and what i have seen is that whenever founders get capital at least in india uh they throw money at the problem and not brain power at the problem when they start throwing money at the problem the problem temporarily disappears and reemerges as soon as the money gets over solving problems through applying brain is something that i stopped doing less of or, or almost completed made it zero because i was solving things to capital right and i have seen that as a consistent trend with all founders i have been fortunate enough to see some journeys very closely i have invested in many such companies uh, and have known all the founders who are currently in in that thing that they are expecting capital to solve that thing and innovation just does not exist so the biggest realization for me was that it's hard to beat innovation it's extremely easy to beat capital absolutely couldn't agree more you know we are an early stage fund and we only invest in one of a kind ideas and most of our founders have that challenge one of the uh, you know i'm just doing this one of a kind and they're saying what's like this in china or in the us you know, so there's nothing like this anywhere and uh, and you go okay um and and so the so would you have any advice for people that are doing one of a kind ideas right because i remember even when i first saw freecharge especially with the cashback kind of thing the coupon right i thought wow this is an interesting model you can apply it to almost any vertical yes you can say can i be the free charge of insurance yes. can i be the free charge of this yes. right yes. saying and surprisingly you, nobody has copied it so right far. absolutely because but because people are, yeah exactly now now it's kind of a verb and and uh, i've heard uh, some people talk about it but what advice would you have to one of a kind founders right as they go through their journey yeah. so few things that i would say one is uh, don't look for validation through external sources only see if the consumers have insane loyalty and bragworthiness about your product if you have your product that consumers wants to brag about you are on the right path don't look for external validations from a vc from an expert like kunal shah or amit somani don't worry about all of that if your consumers are loving your product and bragging about your product you are on the right path don't get distracted two capital will be your enemy till it becomes your friend focus on that part don't try to uh, solve money uh, uh, problems through money and you will be surprised at how bad it does for you right and and the third thing is that uh, don't solve the wrong metrics right uh, i have seen founders making the classic mistake of focusing so much on pr and getting likes on 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 for social media and announcing to the world that you know they are meeting somebody and taking selfies and and getting coverage in in uh, all the media thing uh, greatest companies are built quietly when we took money from sequoia capital the condition we put on sequoia capital was please don't announce about our deal for one year 
and they were surprised when we asked that question but i was surprised that why nobody asked that question why would i want to invite 30 people to the party when i have an insight absolutely we believe we believe exactly the same most of our investments we don't announce for a year so <clears throat> now getting us to the kind of the latter part of the free charge journey right you uh, guys recently uh, uh, exited to snapdeal right and and you know people talk about the fact that much like your first round of funding you know great companies are never sold they're always bought yes right uh, and and yet exits are very few and far between right i mean free charge is probably one of the bigger exits in 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 the recent past and then you know earlier i was at a company called make my trip which yes. exited to an ipo yes so can you talk a little bit about uh, still kind of exit strategy right like ubp perhaps applied to am i creating a valuable business am i creating a valuable company right it's valuable to the consumers correct but is it valuable enough for you know kunal to call kunal right or is sure. it valuable enough for you know other people to say hey look i need to get in on this game right in a sure. big way sure so uh, it's important to know who you are uh, as a founder i realize that i am more of a serial entrepreneur than the one which builds empire right and and that realization was there very early on for me and for me therefore if i had not exited i would have moved on to doing other things anyways over a period of time uh if that is something that you know right and and you for you want to create great outcome for your consumers your investors and your team right uh you want to make sure that that is happening right and and exits are an important event right uh, I, I make a joke that a lot of people i a lot of times i see on social media people celebrating raising money right we've never celebrated raising money in fact uh, that was something that was like a non event in the company uh, the reason it is important because it's like trying to celebrate uh, getting a meal before climbing mount everest i don't know who celebrates that like people celebrate when they get to a milestone when they are climbing mount everest uh, or halfway to mount everest or at the top of mount everest nobody celebrates getting a meal uh, uh, or clothes for climbing mount everest uh, uh, and i i don't get it we are solving for the wrong metric uh, and and therefore uh, exits for something that when we got it we were chased by multiple companies and and uh, we we honored the term sheet that we first signed and and we had a Uh, deal that was closed in 21 days flat from the time of signing the term sheet to actual complete transaction and of a size that you now we all know about uh, it it was only possible because like our due diligence took one day everything the company was run in a manner where everything was clean to that point right it it, it was kind of surprising that you no know, they had to the the legal team and the audit team had like no observations to share because we believed the company has to be run that way right uh, great people working for us at all points of time uh, when you create the right value you'll always find the right buyer beat your service or beat your company right uh, we always believe that it has to be something that becomes brag worthy so so we always thought that will uh, will free charge become brag worthy for snapdeal or anybody else who acquired us and, and consistently is i think we, we we have probably doubled in value after the exit which which in most exits it it does not happen especially uh, uh, when they get acquired they kind of lose value versus gain value right so one wants to focus on those things Uh, in terms of exits uh, nobody can ever plan for it prepare for it or should plan for it or prepare for it okay uh, makes sense uh, one question that came in on, from twitter about about the free charge journey was 
you know another bold decision you had to make you know uh, probably bolder than moving from mumbai to uh, to to bangalore was to get in quote unquote professional management or get in a new ceo yes. and so forth right and i'm a big fan of reed hoffman uh, who got jeff weiner uh, in to to run linkedin Correct. and there are many other examples like that so Correct. i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. about you so, know about teams in general getting in other people about letting go of control in, yeah. in various elements yeah so uh, for for me it was critical at that point of time uh, to focus on monetization in the company a b attract new capital with demonstration of depth of management and it it made sense at that point of time to to signal the right things from the company right uh, i was not retiring i was pretty much working probably more hours than i was before but so what i took over was fundraise and growth uh when we brought in the ceo the, the idea was that uh, the product and monetization is something that is kind of needs to just be having discipline and gets done but these are the two things that will kind of change the orbit for the company right so uh, a crude example is that if you know you can hit centuries you don't have to be the captain just kind of focus on hitting the centuries which is what i did and it's funny shalendra keeps making this remark uh from Sequoia that no you almost turned into a monster after bringing in a professional management because i was just free from all the responsibility i was not adding value on right so i think it's important for a founder to know uh, what should they be focusing on a uh, control is illusionary right uh, uh, you you're already having investors a board and and the whole thing around that if you think they can control only by having a title it doesn't work if you if people have respect for you I did not have a title in the company for two years. Uh, uh, after that, it didn't matter, right? Because people respect people based on their work, their leadership skills, not because of a title that they carry. So I just want to build on this, right? Because we see a lot of young companies. Uh, we evaluate. We see, and and there are a lot of sometimes you know uh, holes in the management team, or there is skill sets that they're missing, or it's an extraordinary founder, founder who thinks that they can keep hitting century after century after century. But maybe you'll start, need to start hitting double centuries, or yes. maybe you need to hit centuries in a T20, not just. In or the, the whole team has to score. Or the whole team has to score. What a novel idea, right? Uh, but you find that people have difficulty letting go. Yes. Do you think that's because of insecurity, or is that because of something else? And what advice would you give people to say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, things are going to be fine." Uh, in fact, there's a quote from this book that I love uh, from Noah Wasserman saying, "Do you want to be king, or do you want to be rich?" <laughs> right very few people are both king and rich right uh, but do you want to be king or do you want to be rich because if you want to be rich then he argues in this founders dilemmas that you need to build great people around you yes because collectively your the team will score more so um i think uh, there are some fundamental issues with the countries and cultural fabric that we've got we have two major issues one is the issue of mistrust the society is a fairly high on trust deficit right and that's a function of uh, the way the country has come together right we are these 24 states or the princely states were kind of stitched together into one country uh, we still have our fights about language and states and uh, water uh, religion and water and and we are still kind of primitive about these things in that environment of mistrust 
whenever i get a bill at a restaurant i'll check the total and i pay when i give my car for servicing i'll empty the fuel tank and give it for servicing these behaviors you will not see in countries that have very high trust quotient right and dr arrow in 1972 won a nobel prize for uh, proposing a theory which says that any country that demonstrates high trust deficit will always have lower progress right now if you understand from a founder's perspective he's also come from the same fabric right there is a massive mistrust problem right uh, and therefore uh, they believe in management of the team versus of inspiration of the team right uh, therefore you want to do weekly reviews to know if things are going on track or not versus just giving them goals and asking them if they need any help these are the differences that i have seen so trust is one another issue second thing is the society has been largely trained trained from childhood through the method of shame right agar aisa nahi karoge to uncle will laugh at you the neighbor will laugh at you this will laugh at you it's a great way of converting animals to humans that use shame as a method to do that but shame as a method continues to be that method right and today lot of our decisions as adults are also driven by the shame that has been put into us very early on in life because of shame we have massive fear of failure right because we have massive fear of failure we want more control because we want more control we land up into tough spots all the time right i had the fortune to always hire people who were smarter than me right so all i had to do is just inspire them and make them feel more confident in that if i can make it you guys are so much smarter than me you will do it bigger than me right and all i had to do is push for that and a small example is that a team member would walk to me and show me a demo of what they have built or or what they have designed and ask them is this 9 out of 10 in your own eyes because i don't understand and and good people will go back and say i don't think so it's not 9 out of 10 I'll, i'll come back to you in two days or whatever and just showing them what their true limits are right you will see people transform into monsters i have been very fortunate to work with people who have transformed and and uh, uh, it's an amazing feeling that today uh, i am at the luxury if i do something again uh, all of these team members will just happily come whatever they are doing in a one day's notice working for me and i think that's the biggest gift that's that's fantastic so if you reflect back now on the whole journey right what are uh, what are some things that you underestimated hmm. and and what are some things that you overestimated so to speak about your sure. kind of free charge journey yeah i think the things that we underestimated uh was our ability to be able to pull off at scale we just thought if we got to 20000 transactions a day 200000 transactions a day or million should be not a big deal we absolutely underestimated from a team size tech size like every 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 single uh from every single point scale was something that we just did not really understand uh, well or estimate well uh, other thing that we underestimated is that um, how uh, 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 role of uh, let's say a city or an environment plays to a success of a startup right we just thought like iit bombay is here we should be able to get talent and should just be fine we are like 2 kilometers away from iit bombay should be fine and it doesn't really work that way right I think overestimation uh I would say is that we we just assume that uh we will continue to grow like we 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 just assume that our methods innovative method of growth is good enough no need to go on television do not realize that the television solves the trust problem and not growth problem in india and the realization came in a very very interesting way we did our first television ad 
creative and showed it to our team and i asked my team members please give me some feedback what do you think about it no feedback everybody is just smiling so i asked them why are you smiling like give me a feedback he like kunal we don't understand this it doesn't matter now we'll be able to tell our family we work here very interesting so for me the biggest revelation was that in india television advertising and full page advertisements are not solving growth problem but trust problem and and that is something that you no know, we just kind of take it for granted and we realize that we are these cool digital kids stupid people do on television it doesn't necessarily work that way i think it's been fairly humbling the whole journey great so uh, i know you've been since you've uh, sort of taken a lesser uh, kind of role or whatever at free charge you've been now traveling a lot right um so maybe you can talk a little bit about both your travel experiences and what's next for kunal that's also a question that came in on twitter right where do you see yourself in the next several years or five years or whatever you want to talk about so uh for me travel has been quite eye opening and always is uh, for most people for me i have understood india better by the contrast effect of traveling abroad right I'll, i i'll talk about a small example that i mentioned earlier in in indonesia i observed a very unique thing where every time there was a kind of a traffic jam situation a random individual from the road would just start coming and resolving it and almost every car that passed by that individual would give him a small tip for managing that traffic and he was not a cop he was not assigned to do this responsibility but people valued their time and gave somebody a value in terms of money or tip for making taking care of that and therefore i did not observe any honking uh, or any of that it was just solutions of problem and people paying a small tip for that then i realized that uh, a country with that does not value time right it's very rarely going to pay for convenience right because i don't value my time i'm, I'm very happy to honk my way through uh versus trying to save let me pay 10 dollars and just kind of move away from this inconvenient method and and that realization is something that you realize that you assume that in the us people have were wealthy therefore they do that but when you go to indonesia you realize it's the question of attitude it's a question of trust it's a question of uh, uh valuing time i think india's biggest challenge has been and i ask this question at conferences often that how many of you know what is your value of one hour right just divide your salary and divide by the number of hours you exist or work or whatever 90% of people have no clue when i don't know if my value of my one hour is 500 rupees or 1000 rupees or 50 rupees or 100 rupees how am i taking good decisions i have seen people spend 30 minutes to find an airline ticket coupon of 50 rupees when their value of their hour should be 500 rupees and that is not making sense and and therefore uh it's a serious challenge for the country as well second realization i had was women's participation in labor right i observed in china like all the meetings that i went through like majority of the women were presenting and giving us great insights about china or india for that matter i realized that i have never seen that in india meetings i have not seen, seen women come up and give great presentations about product or engineering or anything for that matter and then i realized that i need to look at data and i found out that china was at 74% so out of 100 women in urban china 74% work in india for 100% women who exist in urban india only 12% work right and this is kind of scary because you go to a morning flight only 4% of women are flying in the morning flights or the peak hour flights 
right? That means uh, at a higher level jobs, which is an indication of flying early morning uh, for a business meeting, uh, is even lower, right? So we, we are in a situation where trying to grow this country and, and per capita is a great measure to see all the other services working, where we have one gender just not working, right? And the new introduction of the six months maternity leave, right, with the right intent behind it, has no economic thought behind it. Now, a young startup, what are the chances of him hiring women when he knows that she could get pregnant and disappear for six months? Or let's say a BPO wanting to hire women versus males because they are paid for every hour that they have uh, contributed to the company. Six months, they have to make it free. So these are things that I realized that... Uh, are important for the startup ecosystems to think about uh, when they are building their business models. Uh, and the last thing that I, my biggest scary realization was that the Chinese product managers had better insight about Indian consumers than most Indian founders I meet. And that to me uh, has been most disturbing. Uh, our our sure. respect for data <clears throat> is, is superficial. So what's next for you? What are, what's going to be the next couple of years or, or as far as you can think forward? So I don't know what's next. Uh, I know what's not there for me next. Uh, so I'm trying to play the elimination method versus trying to figure out the, the current thing. I, I know I'm not going to be happy doing one thing, right? So I'm figuring out a way which I can do many things together, right? Because for me, learning is a lot more important than, uh, uh, let's say, chasing wealth or valuation or, or personal fortune. Uh, for me, learning is more important and, and that is only going to happen when I have constant learning from different areas, right? So I'm looking at different methods and areas to do that. I, I'm currently a part-time partner at Y Combinator. I'm learning from them what is happening in Bay Area. I'm uh, a chairman at IMEA, creating some new initiatives for founders to come together. Uh, I just don't know uh, uh, what's next. I, I, I know that it's not going to be one thing. <laughs> Great. One last question for you, Kunal, which is what advice would you give the Kunal Shah of 21 years of age? If you were to give yourself advice, but back whenever you were 21, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I would have, if I have to advise, if I could advise uh, my 21 year old self, I would say that uh, you are right at many things. Stop looking for external validations about yourself uh, uh, and, and don't compare yourself with the same metrics the world compares themselves at. Wonderful. That's a great thought to end the podcast with. So thanks thanks a lot, Kunal, for, for taking the time to be on Prime Time, this podcast. Uh, for our listeners, if you like this podcast, go give us some love on SoundCloud and, and look up uh, many of the other podcasts as well on primevp.in. Uh, thanks again, Kunal. Great. Thank you so much.